Welcome to Bonjola, a podcast about two women, Amy and Rebecca, who each moved from the United States to Europe to become expats, Amy to Spain and Rebecca to France. We're here to share the highs, the lows, and the logistics of this adventure, encourage you to follow your own move abroad dreams, and remind you that you're not alone when the going gets tough. Enjoy! Bonjola, Rebecca! Bonjola, Amy. How are you today? I'm quite well. How are you doing? I am also well. I find myself still in Seattle with 22 days until I get on a plane for France. Very exciting. I can't wait to hear all the updates from the last week because you're in the place where like every day things change. I know. Well, okay. So I actually don't know the last thing that I shared. So when we last got together, did I have my visas? Had I gone to San Francisco and actually gotten the visas? I don't think I got. No, you had not physically received the visas. Okay, so we have physically received the visas, which does not come with a lot of fanfare. It comes by FedEx. Very nice FedEx person comes to your house, hands you an envelope, makes you sign, just like you were getting whatever package. Next thing you know, you've got a visa, and it's you didn't put any glitter inside the package. No glitter. No glitter. No glitter. It didn't like not. It wasn't one of those in enveloped in a card where you open it up and it starts playing a music box tinny I tune. Being one of those boxes where you open it and the butterflies fly out. <laughs> yeah, that would be very <laughs> French. Instead, I had my own little party. My husband's not even in town, so I got to sign for both of them. Called him up, and obviously we wahooed all over the place because now the biggest milestone has been passed. You know. And I still have to get the cat's health insurance, which, as we know, or a certificate of travel, which only happens within 10 days of travel. But everything's going like clockwork. It's really fabulous. And so now I'm in the final steps of deciding what's going to go and what's going to stay and who I'm going to be. That was the part stateside that gave me the most grief was the dispersion of the belongings and the what do I take, what do I go, which we talked a little bit about last week. We, You know, it's funny that you say that the dispersion of belongings because I had some really great aha moments around what I want to take with me, especially with my books. But one of the hardest parts of this are the objects that I don't want to store and I don't want to take, but they somehow are meaningful to me, I have imbued them with a sense of significance. And I've put so much thought into like, maybe I could do a giveaway on my Instagram feed, or maybe I should try free cycle on Facebook, something that I haven't used. So I'm not familiar with it, the system. And I'm like, it's this crazy thing where I'm trying to say, Rebecca, you have very limited time. Use it well. And then I'm getting completely stuck on stupid things like, look at this cute tea towel I once found. I should intentionally find it a home. And I have no answers for that yet. I still have that box staring at me. I can me. tell you what I did in that situation. That's pretty much I'll all I can offer you. Uh, but before I do, I'm curious, is the glass that is in the bathroom that you use to rinse your mouth, is that one of the things? Because I saw you had posted about this. And I was like, but that's from your wedding. How could you possibly not either put it in the I am actually thinking that one. Yes. And um, that's oh, what's good. funny. Like some of the things that I'm storing have, well, I would say most of the things that I'm storing have no monetary value. It's 
like our scrapbooks from the last 10 years. Obviously, those are precious, but we're not packing 100 pounds of scrapbooks and taking them to France. Now, if we ever get our Portuguese citizenship and get to live in Europe, that's when we will transfer over those important memorabilia. But yeah, I'm totally keeping my teal mason jars for my wedding. I just, first of all, I love them. Second of all, they're a memory. And third of all, I've actually tried to buy more and cannot find more. So it's not even like I can easily replace them. And Mm -hmm. yeah, like these are the gymnastics that go through your mind when you're trying to pack to leave your life behind and start a new one. And yet you're not totally leaving it behind, right? Because there is a storage unit. There is, you know, it's not a complete cutoff at this point. It's a transition. It's a separation. And because my business that I've been working very hard to grow for the last year as I transition from the design to the coaching is coming with me. So, you know, my appointments are already set for after I get there. I already have speaking events. So I have to pick up my business life and transport it and plop it down there and find a new routine that supports something that's already existing. Yeah. In this, these final few weeks where you're fraught with what to do about things that are too valuable to just give to goodwill mm-hmm. or throw in a dumpster, but you don't really have the time, resources to properly transition it, right? We ended up putting it in storage. And that was actually, you know, I was spinning out and, and Shane was just like, just put it in storage. We'll go through it later. Just put it like we don't have we don't have time at this point. You can always change your mind and decide to get rid of it later. But if you get rid of it and you regret it, it's over. So and he really like he he had this very sort of a very forgiving, gentle approach to my excessive attachment to crap. <laughs> because I because I will I am that person who's like, oh, but I found that scratched up run over figurine on a 17 mile run and it was special and I can't throw it away, even though it really is trash to probably <laughs> everybody else in the world. But I've attached significance to it and can't bear to lose this and then lose the memory that I have every time I look at it. Okay, so here's what I would say. I love that idea because, and here's the hilarious thing, the box of stuff that we're talking about is literally one black, small, like legal-sized file box bin. I have an entire storage unit full of stuff. And it would take up one tiny corner. Why am I losing any sleep over that? I don't know. Because mine is like the size of a studio apartment. <laughs> well, I will say the cool thing that's happened for me in this process is I had to decide which books I was bringing with me. Because um, I have this little business library of books I absolutely adore. On the list is like Greg McCowan's Essentialism, which I am still practicing a person. I am not perfect at it yet um financial intelligence like there are some really good touchstone books that have really shaped who i am so i'm thinking okay which ones do i want to bring with me because books are heavy and they take up a lot of room in your storage in your luggage and i realized i'm not going to bring any of them with me which was really surprising and 
it was because I realized it was time for me to basically take off the training wheels and just trust that I had absorbed the information that I needed to and that it not only be there in my head when I got to France, but also it's not like I can't get it on Kindle or something if there was a really burning need for me to access that information again. Yeah, I did take some, uh, like I think one or two cookbooks and I put them on Kindle and another book on fitness that I really like called Spark that I wanted to, you know, it's one of those like, oh, I should read this again. Like, but you're not going to bring this. You're not going to bring this. So just get it on Kindle. And I really do prefer to read paper books. I'm definitely old school like that. But I, the Kindle is just a great invention for travel. It is. It truly is. Because those books do weigh a ton. Yeah, they really do. But I was hyper, I am hyper aware of my traces around books because that was one of the things my mom most regretted. She lived on a boat in the South Pacific for three years. And so she went through this whole thing too. She just didn't go to a country. She just went to a boat. And she got rid of a lot of her art books Mm -hmm. thinking, you know, I don't need these anymore. And she, when she came back from the boat, it was the one thing she really wished she'd held on to a lot more of. So that has obviously really affected my way of thinking about books and what I might want after this adventure, which is really hard to project forward. For on. sure. For sure. Because you don't even really know. After Damien finishes school, you're not, you don't have a game plan, right? Mm-mm. No, aside from the fact that we've got that Portuguese citizenship kind of cooking in the background, mm-hmm. we hope. Um, which is a whole other conversation. No, after two years, he'll have done an internship with a restaurant somewhere. And then, you know, we don't know what kind of relationships we'll have formed in Paris. We don't know what kind of um, opportunities he might find as a chef. Right. And I have no idea where my business will be at that point. So it's just this huge looming. It's not a scary cliff in two years, but it is definitely a totally dark forest. I don't know what's on the other yeah. side. Yeah. That's very relatable. Why do you say that? Well, you know, our, our visa has been approved for three years. And and so we, you know, we plan on staying for... Th- oh, wait, wait, wait. So you don't have to renew for three years? Oh, yeah. That was, that was the unexpected bonus of applying from Spain rather than applying through the American consulate in the U.S. with the digital nomad. Oh, wow. Yeah. Amazing. And yeah, we have to renew every single year and there's no way around that because you can't even apply from France to get the right. visa. So that's just not a French thing. Yeah. Well, it, it's actually it's not it's not a Spanish thing for all the visas. It applies to the digital nomad and it applies to student visas. And I think that's it. fascinating. Okay. So you've got three years where you're set. Barring any kind of emergency that takes us back to the States. Yes. Obviously. Or <laughs> taxes, which are so exorbitant that we feel it isn't worth staying, which is really difficult to imagine that being the case. <laughs> yeah. Um, even though <laughs> the tax situation is very unclear and all we know is it will be painful. But they're always talking about how expats, like Spain is the best place for expats. So it depends on how much money you make and what visa you fall under and a lot of things that are like the nature of our visa changing on an ongoing basis and so very unclear. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so back to your cliff in three years. Yes. So 
because of the taxes. It's just because of life. I mean, you're raising a son too. Right. So that's got to add a lot of... Definitely. Where he's at and developmentally, where he's at with his friend group. And, you know, we can, at the end of the three years, we can apply for two more years. And then after five years, we are eligible for residency. So okay. the... Yeah, because your intention is to make this a lifetime lifestyle, right? Do I you have don't that right? know. Looking at, I mean, looking more closely at the tax situation and the amount of taxes that they impose on everything, uh, hmm. wealth tax, right? So we'd be taxed on property that we own in the States. We'd be like all this extra stuff. Like, I don't even, I don't know that that ultimately Certainly from a retirement standpoint, a, you know, secure asset standpoint, I don't know that that's actually going to end up working out for us. So, yeah, though, who knows? <laughs> you know, yeah, it's really just there's more that we don't know than we know. And we will also be so we're we met with a tax lawyer in S Spain today just to kind of get a sense of how they operate a little bit about whether or not we might qualify for some things left with a little bit of clarity on next steps, but no answers. And then we're also looking at getting a tax advisor on, on the U S end as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, you know, d again, unintended extra expenses that you may not be thinking about when you are beginning this process, right? Not having one, but two tax advisors in two different countries to steer the ship yes. because she gets And that means paying both of them. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And <laughs> like stuff gets complicated. And, you know, taxes aren't something that you necessarily want to um, fly fast and loose with between two different countries. <laughs> <laughs> No, because it's one of the main methods by which they really keep an eye on expats and the fact, you know, they want to make sure we're not laundering our money and that we're not taking resources away from our host country. So they're pretty, they, they'll, I assume they're paying more attention to expats than even necessarily their own citizens. I don't know that I would necessarily assume that. No? Maybe I'm being very, in, I don't know if I say informed or infected by the American feelings about immigrants just in general, which is so negative. But I, I find that shows up in a lot of countries. Oh, absolutely. Fear of immigrants. And, and who are you yeah. an immigrant from is a big deal. And that's definitely yeah, a big deal here. I consistently hear that, you know, as an American, my chances of getting in trouble crossing back and forth without a proper visa are quite low actually and that people do it all the time like they stay here on no visa for years and just kind of you know travel about and nobody really pays any attention or does anything because they're americans but then <clears throat> if i were from an arab nation or africa oh hell no it, like it would just be a very very different story and this is why, despite the United States insisting on taxing its citizens on all of their income, no matter where they live in the world, I am not yet renouncing my U.S. citizenship. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. That passport just is, is access to everything. Actually, yeah. 
my son was watching a YouTube video and there are a couple other countries where your passport will grant you access with more, with less restrictions than an American one. I believe a Spanish passport would allow me access into more countries more easily than an American passport would. Huh. Good to know. It just depends on where you want to go in the world, I guess. Yeah. You know, that's actually, I'd love to end on this, which is we're talking about how there's this cliff for me in two years. There's a potential cliff for you at three years or sooner or later. We don't know. Like being an expat, becoming an expat, I think it just really removes all the artifice. Like in our daily lives, we have our routine and our habits and we feel like we are fairly confident about what the next day will bring. When in reality, life is brutal. None of us have any clue what the next day is actually going to bring. But becoming an expat really makes me at least extremely conscious of that fact. Like, did I ever really know what my life was going to look like in two years? Right. No. Is it more uncertain now? Yeah. But is it really more uncertain? I don't know that it is. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel more conscious and mindful that this is like enjoy each day you have because we are so damn lucky to be here and I will do everything I can not to take it for granted. I love it. I think that's a perfect place to close this episode. You know, at some point, we're going to have to come up with a closing ceremony instead of a, gosh, how should we yeah. end this? But for now, I'm going to say to everybody, a bientô. Hasta pronto. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Bonjola. If you did, the best thing you can do is share it with another person brave enough to move abroad. See you next time.